Where Kindness Lives is designed to cultivate a kinder world by helping to inform and inspire. Hosted by Jenny Sager, head of Nextdoor Australia, the neighbourhood network connecting you to what truly matters so you can belong. We'll chat to the most thought-provoking individuals paving the way to positive change and hear from neighbours who deliver small acts of kindness every day. So come on a journey to Where Kindness Lives. Hey everyone, I'm Jenny Sager and today my guest is celebrity chef and goodness creator Jason Roberts. He's spent 20 years in the spotlight as an author, a chef, and a TV star, hosting cooking shows in America and Australia. He's also internationally recognized for his charity work with the No Kid Goes Hungry campaign. Jason live streams his culinary talents via the G'day Neighbor Instagram channel. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. He truly exudes community spirit, and I'm so excited to talk to him today. Jason Roberts, welcome to Where Kindness Lives. I want to know that guy you were just talking about. That's right, it's me! <laughs> it's you, who I'm now saying is my long-lost brother, because yeah. I feel like I really do watch your Instagram all the time, but yeah. also just read about you, look at everything you're doing, and yeah. I just feel like... You're just so right where my head is at, especially yeah. after the last few years. And so I really want to just start by talking about what kindness means to you. I think at the forefront I get, for, for kindness to me is basically having that ability to go beyond yourself and think about others. And your first thought in the morning, not necessarily when you wake up, but your first thought is, well, if I smile and someone else sees that, maybe I can help them find the one that they lost sort of thing. Um but I think at the, at the real crux of what kindness is to me, it's that ability to just let go of your own traumas, let go of anything that's going on in your own life and put other people first. And then when you start practicing that, you know, they talk about, you know, you can change your life, you know, change something in 28 days or change a habit in 28 days and change your lifestyle in six months. When you start practicing at that, you become better at it and you feel the energy, you feel the collective energy that comes back to you. It's cyclic. It's it's bizarre to me, but at the same time, super grateful because it it's so rewarding. Well, it is contagious and the yeah. kindness is contagious. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like everyone is waiting for someone else to take the first step. Like yeah. you, that's what people don't think about. It can feel a bit daunting when you first put yourself out there, but it's good to remember that kindness can be small. It can be a small gesture, yeah. but it's always going to be received with open arms, isn't it? I've had this thing in my head for a long time. I don't know how it happened, but I think, you know, getting into television 20 years ago and then this ability to be on stage and then for parents to sort of push their kids towards the stage because you were cooking and then there was an opportunity for them to taste something. It's like this is weird transaction that's going on and the kids are coming up and like if I get down on one knee and engage them a little bit more, the kid sort of like feels acknowledged and noticed. I speak to them at their level but not as a child, treat them as a human. It's like, wait a minute, I'm sort of I'm getting the kids in. And then the parents are excited because their kids engage. So it's like, wow, you know, if I get the kids, I get the parents for free. Mm, yeah. So what G'day Neighbours really has, you know, has come from that, the kids who walk past. Like if I was to take what we do here and plant it in a studio, it would never be the same thing because I get genuine, authentic, last-minute kids, people who walk past curious about what I'm doing. And then when I have this conversation with kids and I tell them, if you don't like something, I want to know that you don't like it. I don't want you to sugarcoat it because you can see yourself on a screen. I want you to be real. And then I create these real conversations to the point where some of these kids who walk past who tell me some pretty deep stuff. 
Like it's, I mean, it really is beautiful. And now I feel like I'm a village leader of sorts Absolutely. because I have this bond with the parents and I can share bigger, deeper stories. I'll tell you a funny story that happened yesterday. And I have a good friend of mine who came over yesterday. Um, and, no, and no. g'day neighbor. <laughs> There's one right there. <laughs> so this is Ralph, 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 <laughs> Ralph, Hi, Ralph, Ralph. We're doing a podcast at the moment and which is quite cool. So Ralph is the, the, the handsome husband of, of Christina who taught me pottery. Oh, so Amazing. yeah, so this is this is our neighborhood. This love it, love so it. You're probably going to get a few more dropping in and oh. saying hi shortly. Love it. Good I, to see you, Ralph. I should mention that we're sitting yeah. in front of your windows, which are right into the street. Yeah. So you really do truly both, I'd say, metaphorically and physically, literally, actually open your home. To People the have a good insight into my life, and I share it willingly because I feel like I've had enough of it—not enough of a journey, but I've had such a life um, um, of of opportunity be silly not to share that mm. and so i got this thing in my head like i've got to share all my secrets share everything that i possibly know so i create space for new things and i'm learning so much more about our neighbors like neighbors really come out there is a genuine community here that i've never felt before and why do you think that's important why is community and having that community yeah. feeling important it's a place of belonging so when i was 20 and, and maybe for something for you know to take on board when you're younger and then there's that opportunity do you leave home and you go well i'm gonna go travel be careful how far you cast your net and how far you spread yourself because ultimately they talk about fa- family is the center of home for you you can be quite displaced and really you know and you can be in a space where you're like i oh, don't create you know so I'm identifying with my work and I love that. I'm passionate about that. I'm doing it. But there still is something missing and it's the sense of home. You know, for the longest time I was traveling between LA and New York and I have a, still have a storage facility in Los Angeles and I think, well, you know, I have a green card. So like I'm always in this transient spot. If you keep yourself on that transient spot, you'll never know where you're meant to be. Mm. So you need to set some roots and, and then travel. I think that's really important. It's so true. It goes back to why I was saying, I feel like you're my long lost brother, because I kind of had the opposite journey to where I was grew up in the U S and then moved to Australia. Also in my twenties, the first time put back and forth a few times, just adventurous spirit, just wanted to live overseas, explore. And then it's super exciting. But at some point you realize, I didn't know anyone here when I moved here, you do realize you've got to rebuild that community and that network. Right. And I think even now I recently moved a few months ago, I was living around here for the whole eight years I've been here in Miston and I moved half an hour away and now I've got to start from scratch again. And you really feel it when you do that. And I think, you know, psychologists talk a lot about what they call weak ties, which is the strong ties are your, your immediate family, you know, your best friend that you've grown up with. And the weak ties are your neighbors, you know, the person who makes your coffee at Shook or whatever other (laughs) local coffee shop you're going to, you know, your hairdresser. And that's what everybody lost during COVID was those, those weak ties and that social interaction that you have on a daily basis. And I think it's so impactful and, um, yeah, just how do you feel about about that theory of weak ties and why that's important? Well, weak ties allows for a lot of small talk, and the small talk is what fills you throughout your day. And I feel like so what happened with the last lockdown is people started to come out and the opportunity to go to restaurants and do things, people lost their small talk and their small ties. So it was like that anxiety was still being fed. It's like because I don't know how to re-engage with the small talk and the, all the, you know, the small ties. But I think what happened for us here is those ties become a little, maybe, maybe they were medium sized ties instead of small ones because we have a really strong community. I love these people. 
Like seriously, like I, you know, my mate Tom from across the road, the other chef who does taco nights with me, he's moved up to um, up to Byron, like he's living up there now. And and so I was walking up to do laps of the hill, and as I was walking past, some of the neighbours were just having a drink out, and they said, "What are you up to?" I said, oh, "I'm, you know, I'm just just having a bit of a tear." My mate Tom left again, and they go, "Oh no, we forgot." Come and come and have a drink with us. Come and sit down with us. And I said, "Look, I'm just going to do my. I'll be 27 minutes." So I did my little walk and I came back and and so I had a conversation because there was an empathy, but I also allowed that empathy to happen. We, we built this bond, so yeah. they know my bond with Tommy. They know I do the taco nights with him. Yeah. Um, I also have the same bond with them. If one of them was to leave, I'd be just as like feeling a little bit lost and out of sorts. Tom and I spend a lot of time together and we chat, you know, once or twice a day. We do a lot of things the same. And, and But what I love about that, it's another man. Mm. And that has everything to do with, with me being a sovereign person and knowing where, where, where my heart is as a person and who I am as a, um, as a fellow human. Like you, te- like as you get older, you let go of a lot of things. You, you're able to love a little bit more because maybe you've worked through some of your past traumas or whatever it is. But ultimately, you start connecting on a deeper level, and and you think more about other people. You put other people first. But do you feel like there was a turning point for you? Like, was it? I don't know. Maybe when you came back from America or a different time when you felt like that mattered more, like community and that connection God, mattered not- more than it did before. The start of COVID. But it was the community that made me realize how important it was. It, w- it wasn't like I was like, oh, I need to create community. That, that's, that'll help me get through life. What The way it started was COVID happened, lost probably 80% of my work, which was predominantly back in the States. That was my travel. That was who I was. That was, that was my trophy. That was, that's Jason. Jason's the guy that travels and does the shows and talks to the people and builds connections that way. So when that went away, it's like, who am I now? It's weird. Like I'm just a guy who lives in North Bondi in a house that's like, I don't know, I don't really know too many people around here. So I just created purpose and the purpose was, well, I'm just going to open these windows and I'm going to sit here and I roll pasta. Shit, I'm gluten-free anyway. Probably doesn't make sense. But anyway, maybe someone else will like it. So it was a conversation starter and I was just giving out takeaway containers as much as I hate the idea of single-use plastics. I was giving out plastic containers and were you literally like would you see someone walk by and you just go hey like because they would ask what are you doing and i'd make i'd be making you know i'd make several different pastas and i and i would um and i'd teach people how to make pasta on facebook or instagram and then it's then you would see through other people's stories that they were struggling to get certain things uh, you know the stores had run out of certain things like hey i've got some pasta if you want to swing by and it wasn't it wasn't for money and it wasn't for anything i wasn't there was no absolutely no expectation but eventually it turned into get a neighbor. And, you know, initially I started that with another friend and she's got busy doing, you know, she's another TV presenter and she's really busy with what she does. So ultimately I've just taken it on board and, and go live five nights a week. Every now and then I've just got to, you know, take a mental health day basically. You know, I've, I've got other work I've got to do as well. But there is a connection of people that come on this live and it, my mum joins and she feels like she's in the same space as me. It's been a very good way to connect. She has... I feel like I'm sitting down with you. And when you acknowledge my name in the comments or you talk to me because you've seen my name pop up, I feel like I'm part of your day all of a sudden. And so now you have, you know, people who from all over the world at different times, you know, hey, it's 
from Strasbourg or someone from the States or that there's a group of women that call themselves the Boots Babies <laughs> and they'll see someone's name pop up and they'll all say hello to each other in the comments Gosh, so and then they'll go, hello, 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 Mrs. Roberts, that's my <laughs> mum or, or my mate Noel who's here at the moment, you know, he, that's his second mum. His mum passed away some time ago and he goes, that's my mammy Roberts. Uh-huh. And so they talk to each other. Now they talk to each other outside of that. Yeah. And sometimes we'll do this thing, it's like, you know, we're on a scale of zero to 10, just how are you feeling? You know, mentally, how are you feeling? You know, it's weighing in us all. But my, a lot of the time, people will be sitting about eight or nine, some people will be a 10. And they'll say, you know, I was a six, but after this chat, I'm a 10. Yeah. And some people will say that, you know, I'm actually just a three. And everyone in that circle will go, will mention that person's name and they'll feel seen for a moment. And they'll say, well, we're here for you. If you need anything, we're here for you. We see you. And you automatically feel seen. And it changes your perspective and how you're feeling. So this bubble of kindness, um, I guess, has been sort of, I don't know, there's a sense of purpose in it. It doesn't doesn't make sense, but it does make sense. Yeah. I just know it's the right thing to do at a time like this because we're still sort of trying to rediscover who we are. Um, what do you think the connection is between food and community? Because food's been a part of your life yep. forever, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it obviously brings people together. But what's that connection? Well, we all need food to survive. <laughs> um, it's, an, it's, it's an interesting concept because I sort of like, I, got, I wanted to get into food. I wanted to be a chef. But ultimately, I was already eating food. So you're already involved in food. I think we should all want to be more involved with food as on a health aspect and realizing that food is fuel and what goes in is is important to your health. What I understood from the get-go with G'day Neighbor and, and Noel, we Noel and I talk, who was just here before, when we talk about this, Noel G. Whelan, um, <laughs> come for the food, but stay for the conversation. The table's a place to break bread and break down, you know, a tough day. There's no anger around food. You're associating yourself. You know, wars are won and lost over a table. Do you know what I mean? You can break bread with someone and, and any animosity and any stress in your world. You can sit down, share a cup of tea, have a bite to eat, and you can actually really converse when you've got someone's ears and you're listening to them. It's important. So food is a catalyst for that. It's just that, you know, I've spent 30 years honing in on classical French cuisine. So there's a romantic side to it as well. And there's the creative side for me is important because the creative side is is my own evolution. It's the bit I get to share. It's the knowledge that I know that maybe someone else doesn't know. It's like I can take them on my journey a little bit. I'm sharing maybe a skill that they don't have. But on a basic fundamental, we can all probably cook some rice. I mean, mm, maybe not, yeah, maybe no, I don't know. I don't know. My <laughs> father-in-law once put a sausage in a toaster, so I don't know about that. <laughs> but, so food, but food really is storytelling. It's all it is to me is storytelling. But the community that that comes from that is really important because we all need food. Was it like that for you growing up as a kid? Like, did you guys have that family dinner on the table and that conversation? And Yeah, it was, I guess, you know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s. And so, yeah, we had a TV and we would, if we were lucky, we'd get to have the TV on while we ate dinner. But I guess that a lot was lost in conversation too because we were dealing with, dealing with a lot of stuff. I grew up in my background and there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of domestic violence and a lot of alcohol abuse and what have you. But if anything... I've strived to achieve that community 
partly because of that too. It's something that I didn't have as a kid. And the more of those conversations and the more you see the effects of having conversation, building community, the more healing I'm doing as well. So it, it's one of these things that just, it's adding another layer to your personality, but it's also, you're also growing from it too. Um, the more of this conversation that we have, the more human we become. Mm. The more it's okay for a guy to have a conversation with another mate and have a tear with another mate and deal with some past traumas because you have a community of support around you now as well. Definitely. So it's been it's been a very interesting, like the last year and a half has been very, very important to me, but probably the most prolific in all my years. Mm. It's amazing. That's mm. a, did you, was there someone, um, which by the way, I was again, very similar, grew up in a house with a single mom. I was yeah. what they used to call a latchkey kid. So even yeah. from the time I was eight, I let myself in after school. Yeah. She was off at work. Like, yeah. so I didn't have those big family dinners yeah. either. And now with my own kids, I'm like, I have to make this. I think you just yeah. strive to do better, right? Like you yeah. strive to kind of. So those big, actually those big family dinners went once. I remember once every couple, the thing that I, that I'm most drawn to is once every couple of years, you know, we were living in Queensland on a dairy farm with a very rural upbringing. Um, but my grandmother lived in New Zealand. And so all our family would come together every two years. We'd come back to New Zealand every two years. And so that's when we would have the big family Christmas and there'd be lots of risolia. And my Nana was an incredible cook. She cooked lots of stuff, but those were the times that I remembered and probably those things that I've harbored and felt for a long time as well. Um, so I can tap back into that. To the point, though, my great-grandmother passed away, you know, 10, 11 years ago. And then so when we do get together as a family, we all make risolia. And we all, unfortunately, unfortunately, my grandmother's ashes seems to make it still to every dinner and sits <laughs> at the table with us all. My car was that may seem, but we, my sister and my family, we have a wacky sense of humour. But we still love it. We cherish those moments together. And, and even, you know, not being able to travel to New Zealand at the moment, you know, my, we're probably closer now than we've ever been because yeah. of it. Yeah. When it's taken away from you, that's when you crave it the most. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Is there someone that you think of like that growing up or recently that you feel like kind of epitomizes kindness in your life? Like when you, when someone says like, who's kind in your life? Like, Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I wish you were here long enough to see all the kids. Cause they all, they all have a sense of kindness now, but I've watched them grow into it too. Like they will ask how I'm doing. But at the forefront of it all, my grandmother, who's, who's no longer here, but somewhat here still, I definitely, definitely rejoice in her, her time that she was here by, by acknowledging her kindness. There's the matriarch of our family. She was, she was one of the displaced peoples of Eastern Europe. So during, you know, 47, she got out during, she got out on a boat called the Dundalk Bay she, when Russia and Germany had invaded, but it was actually the Germans that helped her get out. But she ended up in a country, she ended up in New Zealand to, having to work for two years to seek her asylum. She had a daughter under wing, was very, very young, didn't speak the language. All her family were, were sort of, you know, displaced. Like her father, I think, died in Siberia. Her brother went to war, didn't come back, came back, then disappeared again. Lost everything, basically. So... To know my grandmother and the heart and soul that she had, to think you could be, you should just be really angry at the world that, you know, yeah. it was so much was taken from you. But she was the opposite. Mm. You would never know that that was her background. It was just that she had so much empathy yeah. for people. That's and that, And so I think that's a huge part of where my love for people has, has come from. It's like she didn't judge a soul. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Well, that's probably where our lives differed because my grandmother was the cold one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my dad's like, she was very similar, which she like came over here from Russia. Well, I should say not over here to America, but yeah, she was a hard, yeah. she was a hard woman. You know, she didn't get that. She didn't get, she went the other way. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it could go either way, but I think we, we were very, very lucky Yeah. Um, yeah. to have our time with her. But, you know, like I said, to the point, we, we still rejoice in her, you know, her spirit. Yeah. And what are you, what, what are some tips you'd give to people that like simple ways that they could start kind of being more kind and, and, and I guess I'd say encouraging that kindness in their community. Like not everyone can do what you're doing, obviously. So well, no, that's no, and it's interesting. And to, to really experience that you have to be here to experience it because it really is a special energy. Um, I think anyone who's listening to this now would be in that maybe of the mind, well, I'm pretty kind, I think. I think I'm pretty kind. But, I mean, it's kindness is not something you really should have to think about. It's something that just flows from you. And as far as practicing it, it is. It's like you want to do anything, you have to practice it. So I think maybe my first tip would be, would be your first thought in the morning after you've, you've had some sort of routine and made your bed and brushed your teeth, like anything. We all need routine. But put someone else first, um, practice smiling as weird as it sounds. So you walk past anyone that smiles at you and you like, and for no reason, it lifts your spirits. You feel warm. Instantly. You feel warm. Yeah. And it's not, it's not weird. And I, it bugs me a little bit, you know, you, we're of an age now where people disassociate from the world and they're on their phone and they're walking down the street and you walk and you smile and they don't notice you. That's hard because we all need to be noticed. I think that's the that's pure connection. That's human connection. We want to be noticed. But you also take away the opportunity for me to allow you to feel noticed, for me to smile at you and to lift your spirits because that's a collective energy. And if we all thought like that, we'd be a much happier place. So I think practicing to smile is important. Yeah. And making other people, you know, and having other people, helping lift other people out of, you know, whatever they may be. And you don't, you know, don't judge a person. They may have walked a lot harder than you've ever walked. It's so true. I think that like people think kindness can feel hard. It can feel like, Mm. oh, I have to do something big. And Mm. I love what you just said about just smiling. Like you just instantly feel the impact from that or just saying hello to a neighbor that you haven't met before or to someone on the street that Mm. walks by. I think those little things, we actually did some research last year with Swinburne University that looked Mm. at the impacts of small acts of kindness. Yeah. And we found that small, it was actually the small acts of kindness that have the biggest impact. So those little things saying hello, smiling. Because they're authentic. Yep. It's not trying too hard. It's real. It's honest. It's open. It's now. It's now. It's something I can do right now. Yeah. But if I want to go, hey, I'm going to have a like. If I was a complete stranger, everyone, like, I'm going to do something really kind. I'm going to do, I'm going to do a big taco night. Well, it takes time to build people's trust. Yeah. But a trust you could start with a smile. Yeah. There's an authenticity behind that too. And whether you didn't like that guy smiled at me, perving on me. <laughs> I mean, maybe it was. Yeah. But I feel flattered because there's a point in your life, and this is I, feel, I, I, I would love to work more towards this too and encouraging people to not break up, um, I guess, generations. We need young people in an old people's society to help them through to the next phase of their life. Elder people need purpose still. They need youth to stay young. Like we break up communities and we put old people in homes and like I think that's we just gotta be so much more mindful of that because we need community. And I think when you start with 
with having that understanding that we're all here. We are just one big cycle that we're meant to help each other. I think that's really important. And those young people who don't get to obtain wisdom from the older people who've lived such a long life or a hard life, you share those stories because they've lived it. Um, that, that has more meaning. So I'm just going to re- read you two next door neighbor stories that we feel like, you know, we have, we have these stories in every single neighborhood of Australia, but um, these are two of our favorite recent ones. So one of them is about Carrie Downs. She's 69 years old. She lives in freshwater. She saw a post from her neighbor, Matthew, who's 38, asking for help to learn to ride a bike. So I actually saw this post and um, he just kind of put himself out there and said, kind of embarrassed to say this, but in my thirties, never learned how to ride a bike. Um, he grew up in a conservative family in India and he never owned a bike. His parents never taught him. She saw the post and she thought, I'm an ex-teacher, got a bike. How hard can it be? So she reached out to Matthew, offered her bike and also offered him lessons. And now they've become friends. He's had three lessons. He's still on his training wheels, so to speak. Um, but he said that it was both terrifying and a little bit overwhelming, but he's also super grateful for her kindness. And she just talks about how rewarding it's been for her as well, especially being a retired teacher and um, being able to, you know, pass off her skills in some ways. This is, this is one of those stories where I actually would rather not talk about it. It's almost, can I have my three moments right now just to absorb how beautiful that is and, and what it is to be a human. I mean, that's, that's perfect. You've given not only is, she teaching him to ride a bike. He's given her purpose. It doesn't matter what age you are. We still all have purpose, but she's, it's that it's just pure connection and it's, it's collective energy. And, and from that, look at us, we're all, we're all three of us here are, are glowing and smiling because that's generosity of the heart and purity and kindness in its greatest form. I and mean, it's, that melts me. It's perfect. I feel totally the same. I feel like that just, it just sums it all up, right? It's like yeah. two people who didn't know each other, two totally different walks of life. And then this simple act. That's a movie waiting to happen. That's beautiful. <laughs> it's so pretty. Okay. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to stitch up those rights. We'll get on that. Um, okay. This one is um, Steve in Semaphore Park in South Australia. So he actually runs three meetup groups on next door. He runs a weekly coffee group, bi-weekly social drinks group, which he also likes to call his beer club, um, uh-huh. and a monthly dinner group. And I actually got to know him last year because he used next door to organize like an orphan's Christmas. So he just put out there, Hey, if anyone's who's, who's spending Christmas alone, let's yeah. meet up in the park. Yeah. And he was really surprised. He had about 30 people turn up on Christmas day. They had this lovely barbecue in the park. He sent me a few pictures from that afterwards and so this year he's said, let's do it again. And, um, he's actually, I actually spoke to him this morning. He's actually already had almost 70 people. And, you know, similarly again, they, none of them knew each other. I think yeah. he just took that first step and put himself out there and, and said, Hey, is anyone else going to be alone on Christmas? And got this overwhelming response. He's put himself out there and he's being rewarded from it. That's like, I keep saying, there's this collective energy and this cycle that's meant to happen. It's not for monetary gain. It's not to be seen. It's not a trophy. It's pure kindness. How did you get over any initial hesitation that you had? Like, what was that like for you? I think I think any hesitation initially would have been ironed out a long time ago for me. It was like starting television when you come from a restaurant background where you're sort of governed by ego and pride and then you – you know, sort of thrust into the television world and then automatically public speaking, like, you know, not everyone's comfortable straight away. So 
I think being able to public speak was a big part of it. Like I felt comfortable in big crowds anyway. And to the point though, when you public speak, you actually letting go of all, all care. It's like, I'm here to deliver a story. Um, but the stories I got to deliver were real stories. They were my personal stories. They were stories that were attached to food moments in my life or travel and what have you. So I think there's been a little bit of a, a lead up to that. But ultimately, when you're searching to build community and you want it bad enough, you just let go. But you start with a conversation first. You have a couple of key players and people. You only need one person in your corner to believe in you. One person. And anything is possible because you're the only person who'll talk yourself out of something. But if you have that one person, no, 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 it's the right thing. This is good for you. Yeah, okay, we'll do it. Let's do it. We'll do it together. And then you build momentum. So, uh, you know, I've got a couple of things coming up and it's the same deal. You know, you've got one person in your corner and anything's possible. You just need one more person. Like if you have a bit of self-doubt, that other person will lift you out. Well, I'm now ready to conquer the world personally. Um, well, tell us what is next for you. Um, so it's like interesting. I've got, a, I've got an interesting year ahead of me, I'm sure. Um, continue to build community as things start to open. Um, a lot of new relationships have been built. Um, I have a, new spo- a couple of new sponsorships between here and the States with different brands that I'm working with. But I, love, I think I've gone through this transition and so G'day Neighbor is one aspect of it. Content creation is another. I love working with brands. I've been very conscious of building authentic relationships with these brands. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not an influencer. Um, I create the content. I like the imaginative side of, of creating that too. So I don't do one-minute deals. I like build relationships. I want these for long-term. I'd rather see some, help something grow. So I feel like continuing to grow that. But what I've really come to realize is that I've gotten really good at, at creating content. I want to teach people how I do that. I want to teach people how to build their own I don't know if that's going to serve me financially by teaching everyone <laughs> to do what I do, but I think mentally it serves me because as soon as you unload that space or that secret that you think you have, you create space for new knowledge. You evolve. Well, we could talk to you for hours. We're not going to give your address away on the podcast. Oh, I've done but... I do it on Instagram all the time. If you want to come, I do. I actually gave out my number. Oh God! I gave out my phone number. Um, I did that. So I have Chef Jason Roberts. It's where I go live from, and get our neighbors where I sort of store all the recipes. But I put my personal number on get our neighbor for anyone who's struggling with poor mental health and needed anything. Here is my number. Um, a friend of mine said. You actually gave the wrong number. That's not the right numbers. And I changed it. But no one actually called. But I got so many messages saying, thank you so much for being there if we need you. We don't need you right now, but thank you. That's amazing. Yeah. I think I think we got to – I think it, that whole thing of letting go and, and having trust in a process is really important. And I didn't think that I was going to get a million people calling me it, or I was just wanting for people to not feel alone. Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of this phone, if you call it, I'll answer it. And I may or may not be able to help you, but I'll be a set of ears. And most of the time people just want to be heard. Yeah. My gosh, that is truly amazing. I'm picturing you laying in bed at 2 a.m. responding to uh, DMs of all the people that are reaching <laughs> no, there are some. there are some late nights and I, it's important. And, and when I work with different brands, I say, look, part of this ambassadorship fee and the reason I charge what I do is because it's not because the post, even though it's really good, it's because I respond to everyone. I want your brand to have a voice. Yeah. And so that's why I'm very diplomatic with, with brands Yeah. yeah. about how I work with them. 
Well, it is super admirable. Jason, you are an angel in the community. They are so lucky to have you, seriously. One more story, yes. quickly, one yes, more story. And this is, this, it, it, now I feel like I'm, I'm <laughs> this is ego talking. <laughs> so I, one, of, one of the little girls, um, Tiana is her name. She's walking past here with her mum, Tracy, and little brothers, Rob and Lenny. So I get to know everyone's names around here. And Tiana goes, I think she goes to Sunday school down here. And they were talking about um, saints. And they're learning about what a saint does. And, and a saint is someone who is a community leader and, and does and helps other, basically helps other people without expectations sort of thing. And little Tiana said to her mum, it's like Jason. And so when she's, and, and because Tracy had said to, to her daughter, she said, can we tell Jason the story? She goes, yeah. And she didn't blush. She, she just stood there and held it. Like she wasn't embarrassed. She just, owned it like that she, that's what she thought and I just probably three or four times throughout that next week I'm like that's a huge honor that's a huge honor that she went to Sunday school and that a saint was described as that and that's what she saw like as a living saint someone who does stuff for the community without expectation well it's true every every neighborhood would be lucky to have a yeah. Jason Roberts hey I'm getting I'm getting paid for this podcast right <laughs> <laughs> This is what you're in. Instead of training people in content, you should be training people in kindness. We cannot thank you enough. We're Pleasure. so excited to have you here. Well, we're in your house, so I should say we're so excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been awesome to chat. I know it won't be the last time, but thank you so much. Thank you.